0: welcome Pete Begler. Hello. This is, wow, this is really, really amazing. I am so unbelievably thrilled that all you people came out. Um, It's just so fantastic. This is my first reading. Come to help me launch the book. So, um, This book took a really long time to write. It really went, it's been almost like a 10 year process. I rewrote it three entire times from top to bottom, threw it out, threw it away, picked it up, rewrote it again, and finally I I got to this place. And um, one of the reasons I was able to get to this place was my wife Shannon, who did an amazing job helping me editing it. And I can't spell, and she was able to help me fix it all up. So a round of applause for Shannon. The other people I'd like to thank are my daughters, Trixie and Piper. They didn't want me to talk about them, but they really inspired me. And so this book was kind of for them a little bit. So Um, so I'm going to read a little bit. Um, This book has a really cool prologue, but I'm going to skip that and go right to the first chapter. And I'll try to read slowly and enunciate my words. Is what I'm supposed to do. So, okay. So this is the Fearless Traveler's Guide to Wicked Places, and um, Chapter One. So, okay. Um, In the week since the bruise-colored cloud had appeared over the tiny coastal town of Miss Falls, three mothers had disappeared. The first while riding her bicycle down a leaf-swept street, the second while sitting in a parked car drinking a cup of coffee, and the last from her bedroom while her new baby napped beside her. Not a single person had witnessed the cloud take the woman, but Nell Perkins knew it was true. Even now, as she piloted her bike along the damp streets, she felt the grim cloud watching everyone from above. One had only to glance up to see that this cloud was different. It didn't float along aimlessly like other clouds, but moved with slow scheming purpose. And while it first appeared over the trees wispy thin, it had grown fatter with each passing day, like a bloated tick filling with blood. Nell rode carefully, keeping a watchful eye on the leafy shadows on the cracked sidewalk and making sure to stay within their protection. She tried to sell herself that it was silly. It's just a cloud. But another voice inside her whispered for her to stay hidden from its dark wisp, which reminded her of a ball of cotton candy lying burnt and alone in an abandoned fairground. The truth was, this wasn't the first time people had disappeared from their small town. Over the years, almost a dozen people had simply vanished. Most were young women, though one was a boy boy Nell's age named Max. They had just started to become friends when he vanished four weeks ago. He was funny and daring and liked to play the trumpet, and they had the kind of friendship built on nothing more than a love of weird jokes and an obsession with chocolate. He didn't vanish in the same way, though it felt the same way to Nell. One night, he went to sleep and he didn't wake up. He had fallen into a coma. They took him to the hospital where he was still asleep now. Now as now pulled her bike into the schoolyard, she had the strangest thought. Maybe the cloud was behind it. Maybe it had drifted over Max's house while he was asleep and kidnapped a part of him. The thought sent a shiver up her spine and she quickly locked up her bike. The normally busy yard was empty. A few teachers were hustling, the late students inside. Attention students and staff! Principal's Green's voice crackled over the loudspeakers. Nell entered. All students and faculty are not to go to their classroom, but report directly to the school auditorium for a special assembly. Nell's stomach was tight with nerves. The assembly was her chance to tell everyone what she knew to be the truth. The cloud had kidnapped the women, and maybe Max as well. I'm going to look like an idiot, she told herself. But it was too late. She had decided she didn't have a choice. Nell had seen a crime, and the town needed to know about it, no matter how strange it would sound. It had all happened so quickly, and was so weird that even remembering it right now caused her heart to beat loudly and her breath to quicken. She recounted the facts to herself as though she were telling them to a policeman. A few days ago Nell had been in the town library until nearly dinner time. She'd been reading about whales and secretly eating chocolate covered raisins. Hmm. Well perhaps she would leave out the part that part out when she told it, but she reasoned it did show that she was thinking clearly and had an eye for detail. When the library closed, Nell walked outside. The sky was free of clouds and the empty streets, and the streets empty of people. She got on her bike and headed home. Now, as she rode, she felt a great burst of happiness, like she was the last person on earth and free to do anything. Summer was coming, and she had books to read and the ocean to dash into. The mist was drifting off the sea, caressing her cheeks and dancing across her lips. Nell liked the briny briny taste of the salty air, and she stopped her bike at the corner of Sea View and Stone Lane Road and was taking in the view of the waves violently crashing upon the blank rocks of the shore when a high-pitched shriek rang out over the sky. Looking up, she caught sight of a strange purple cloud rising quickly from behind the large Victorian house at the end of Stone Lane Road. The horrible cloud rose with a rumble, as if it were an animal Nell had surprised in the act of feasting on a fresh kill. All was still and utterly silent. Nell wanted to turn away, to ride as fast as she could in the other direction, but her eyes were locked on the cloud as it rose higher and higher. As she stared, Nell wished for several things. She wished to be home. She wished she wasn't afraid. She wished she wasn't alone, and in a few seconds she would wish forevermore that she had closed her eyes. But her eyes were open, and Nell watched as from out of the purple cloud fell a woman's shoe, bright white and dotted with red marks that could only be blood, alone. A single shoe and nothing more, spit out as if it were a part not worth eating, The shoe dropped slowly, twirling as it tumbled through the air, and without a sound, disappeared into a clump of leafless trees. Without thinking to look for it, Nell raced home, trying to understand how a bloody shoe could fall from a cloud. No plane had flown overhead, no giant bird. There was only one conclusion. Someone was trapped inside the cloud. The secret waited on her for the next several days, and she told no one. How could she? It was ridiculous, insane. Clouds don't kidnap people. They don't eat young women. Keeping quiet seemed like the best choice. But when the principal announced a special assembly, Nell knew she was a, it was about the disappearances, and she knew she had to tell. Suddenly, as she walked through the halls, she felt everyone's eyes on her, as if they knew she had a secret. Oh, but they look at me anyway, Nell reminded herself. That much was true. On any day, Nell Perkins was hard to miss. She was an uncommon-looking 12-year-old girl with hair so blonde it almost appeared silver, large amber eyes, and a slightly crooked smile that seemed to be hiding something. But it wasn't the way she looked or her smile or the slightly determined way she walked that made people look. No, people looked because Nell Perkins was well-known in her small town for claiming to see things that did not exist. Well, not things exactly, but creatures Inner animals, Rose had called them when they first began making themselves known to Nell. They appeared right around the time Nell's father had gotten sick and passed away. Most of the creatures had human bodies and animal heads, though others had had no human parts at all and could be a frightening mixture of animal and machine. Nell had begun talking to them when she was four. The first one to speak to her had the body of a man and the head of an elephant. And being so young, Nell didn't think it was unusual. His name was Jim, and he delivered the mail, and Nell would get excited and jump up and down when she saw Jim walking toward the house. His trunk would switch from side to side, his great ears twitching and his white tuft looking fierce and dangerous in the bright sun. Nell would also discovered that if she blinked her eyes and said her name, the person would return to normal. The mask, which had suddenly appeared, would drop away, and without his inner animal, Jim was quite bald and had a few had a face filled with freckles. Now, as Nell grew older, she accepted the fact that almost everyone she knew, except her family, had an inner animal that would sometimes appear to say hello. It was fun for Nell to see who was hiding what. Gentle-looking old ladies could suddenly turn into alligators. Tough-looking men on motorcycles could have faces of soft rabbits. Nell never talked about her rare skill, for she thought it was normal. Then, during her first day of kindergarten, Nell Perkins learned the truth. All the children were sitting on the rug with eager excited faces trying not to squirm. Nell wasn't sure she liked kindergarten and longed to be at home in her pajamas. "'The boy next to her, a redhead named Tommy Jenkins, "'was digging relentlessly in his nose with a pudgy finger, "'and the whole place smelled like lima beams. Mm -hmm. "'Miss Rook, the teacher, was another story. "'She was the prettiest person Nell had ever seen. and "'She was explaining that good students could win gold stars and candy "'by following the rules, when suddenly her inner animal appeared. "'In an instant, Miss Rook's pretty face disappeared, "'and her head was replaced, not by the head of an animal, but by the head of a giant doll with a cracked skull and a missing eye. Nell screamed loudly, and she wouldn't stop screaming as the doll stood over her. Nell was so gripped with terror that her mind felt blank. She couldn't remember how to make the terrible, dead-eyed face go away. Others' teachers came rushing in to help, and their faces were just as frightening. Faces of stone, faces of tangled thorns, and worst of all, a face made of burning flames. You're special, Nell. Don't forget that, and it will all be okay, her mother told her when Nell explained about the inner animals. For everyone else, the answer was simple. Nell had an overactive imagination that encouraged her to see things that weren't there. The cause of her condition, they concluded, lay in the fact that she didn't dream. Her nights were dark and dreamless. All that imagination has to go somewhere, said Wellington Miles, a famous doctor who began to study her he attached multicolored wires to her head and watched her as she slept and despite what he said about their non-existence the doctor's own inner animal was that of a friendly walrus and now liked him very much and as he sat beside her for three nights monitoring her sleep on a large machine and puffing on a pipe his walrus whiskers twitching Nell and her family were told that her condition would diminish over time and she had to learn to live with it. In the meantime, it did not diminish. But Nell learned not to tell anyone and to keep what she saw secret. Still, there was only one way to make them go away. Nell was forced to say, My name is Nell Perkins, aloud several times a day. This declaration became a curse. My name is Nell Perkins. It left others thinking her strange and feeling lonely and odd without much confidence that she would ever be anything but a freak. My name is Nell Perkins, a shy girl who preferred books to people and whose only friend was now in a coma. Now she was about to embarrass herself again. Nell felt a nod of fear growing in her stomach, and as the teacher hustled the students into the auditorium for the big meeting, Nell's breathing began to grow fast. All eyes were on stage, where the local chief of police was standing with Principal Green. I can't do it, she said to herself in desperation. I'm not going to say a thing. Nell moved down the aisle and found herself sitting next to Todd Lincoln, a twitchy boy who dressed mostly in army fatigues and bragged about hunting deer. He turned to Nell and whispered. My dad said the government is kidnapping people for experiments. He twitched and continued. Have you seen those black vans on the road lately? Nell admitted she had not. Stay away from them, warmed Todd. Children, the principal stepped over to the microphone. Mr. Green was a trim little man with beard and glasses and a booming voice that made it seem he was always about to give a speech. He said... There have been lots of talk going on about recent events. Rumors can be scary things. And as you head out for summer vacation, we want you to feel safe and be safe and make self-choices. The best way to do that is to make sure everyone has the right information. So we asked Police Chief Byrne to give us the facts about recent events and relieve our worries about the missing women. Recent events? How about experiments? Todd Lincoln elbowed Nell. The police won't won't know what it is, Nell Reasoned. Because they don't know the truth. That man now alone held the secret to the disappearances. And afraid or not, she'd have to tell, tell them. Her stomach clenched even tighter. The police chief nodded and stepped forward. He cleared his throat. Three women have gone missing from our town. These are the facts. In cases like these, rumors can be more problems than actual incidents. All we know is that the three women Connie Little, Saffron Jones, and Lulu Graham are all unaccounted for. And if yet, we don't think a crime has been committed. We have no evidence of harm. So sometimes kids can be a great help to the police. So I want you to think do you have any information you'd like to share? Keep in mind this is a serious matter. We are only interested in facts, things you have seen, not stories or rumors or UFOs or secret experiments. Before she could stop herself Nell stood. There were 200 students in her school and every one single one of them turned and stared. Yes, the chief of police said smiling. Nell felt her hands go clammy. She knew at once standing up had been a mistake. How could she possibly explain? She tried to think of a different story. Mention a man in a strange man. Mention a man in a black government van, she thought. Have you seen something? Said the chief of police. And out it came. Nell spoke. A shoe. A hush fell over the students. And Nell knew at once she had said something wrong. A shoe? said the police chief to Nell, who was not sure where to put her hands. A wet piece of candy hit Nell on the cheek and stuck. The whole room broke out in peals of laughter. Quiet, shouted the police chief. The mob grew silent. Sit down, Todd Lincoln hissed. But to everyone's surprise, including her own, Nell did not sit. She plucked the wet watermelon candy from her cheek and continued. The cloud that is hanging above town? Haven't you seen it? The dark purple one? Nell said, growing less confident with his patching. Second, it, it did it—a cloud. The police, she said, showing not understanding what this had to do with a shoe. Nell turned to the crowd and froze at the sight before her. There was a burbling sound of flesh stretching, as everyone in the auditorium transformed in an instant. Nell found herself now staring not at a room of teens but in a room of creatures with human bodies and animal heads, pigs, hyenas, boars, dogs, cats all sitting still as they had been moments before dressed in the school uniform unaware that their heads were furry and their mouths filled with razor sharp fangs Nell's heart began to pound as her face grew red and hot No, she whispered to herself Not now, but like it or not it was happening. She was having a moment. The entire school was showing their inner animals, and she had to make them go away as fast as possible. She'd get flustered and everything, everything would come out wrong. But that meant doing what she hated more than doing anything else in the whole world, reminding herself loudly of who she was. Did what, the police chief said, his head now transformed into the head of a large frog with watery green eyes. My name is Nell Perkins, Nell announced nervously, and a cloud is stealing people. I saw a shoe fall from it. I think there was blood on it. A shocked and awed silence fell over the room until a boy with the head of a hyena shouted, My name is Nell Perkins, and I'm a freak. The whole room erupted with laughter, and the principal whispered something in the police chief's ear. He nodded and frowned, and Nell knew what he was saying. Don't listen to that girl. There's something wrong with her. Nell felt her cheek flush with shame. And as she sat, everyone's inner animal disappeared. That was awesome, Todd whispered to her. But she did not agree. She sunk into her seat. Have a question or take a question? You don't have to have a question, <laughs> So but thank you all for coming. It was awesome. Yeah, amazing. Oh, and I think we're gonna sign some books. Yes, congratulations! Oh, thank you. And did you were you always wildly creative as a writer, as a kid? This is wildly creative in my mind. So, uh, I the, other, the other question was more like asking after 10 o'clock what do you do to get to that? <laughs> Um, I always like fantasy and crazy and crazy stuff. So um, I think my writing tended to be fantastical. I mean, that's something I've definitely been interested in for a long time. As a kid, too, I would say. I would say. Mom, would you say? I would say that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. So there. <laughs> well, thank you. Yes. Any of your friends in this book or people like adding characters here you might recognize? Um there are no characters you might recognize. No, no, I would say not. <laughs> yes. So what was like your main what was the idea that you had that inspired came on. Well, uh like I said, the book went through a lot of different different versions and what um my main inspiration was I wanted to do a story in a world like I felt that I hadn't seen before and I, I love sleeping and I love dreams and I wanted to do something. I thought something set in the dream world would be really interesting and cool and I just wanted it to be something that I could make sure I could go as wild as possible and let my imagination just go free and, you know, and have uh, ex- make it exciting and funny and silly. So that was my inspiration. Oh, I want to What what made you abandon the Mm. other versions and then made you persist to get to this? uh, Well, the first version I wrote, I kind of... I had some people read it, and I just felt like it wasn't emotional enough. When when I, I finally had that version of, of of the book and I sent it and I sent this woman and I found an agent and she actually wanted to rep the book and take it out but she said to me you know what the ending just doesn't is not emotional enough and I was like oh my god that's my whole thing was to try to make it emotional have this really emotional story and then I started thinking about it what was wrong with the book and what I didn't like and I ended up rewriting the entire book and it took over a year and I wasn't even sure that that the woman, the agent was going to be interested again or because I'd sort of dropped it. It had been like a year and then I said, well, I have a book and I reworked it but it's an entirely new book and she's like, oh, okay, let me see and, yeah. but she ended up really liking it so <laughs> that's what happened. It was just to sort of get to the what I was trying to figure out what it was the book was actually about and I finally think I did but it, <laughs> the original book was actually even... Five hundred and twenty pages. So from that, I had to shave it down and shave it down. There's a lot of rewriting involved. Um, but those are all well. yes. You said you changed the book and you made it like a whole different story. What was the first book that you started writing? What was it about? Oh, it was. It's kind of complicated. It was, but it was more about a boy and a girl who find a fantasy book and. W- their life becomes entwined with that book, and those two stories sort of come together. So I'm telling the fantasy story and that story, but and then the other book was much closer to this book, but it was really, really silly, and it was a much more sillier version. And then I decided I didn't want it to be as silly, so that's the, that's how this one came out. Yes, that was a good uh, question. Were they all the same names, or did they have different names? Yeah, um, in the last version of the book, yes, they were all the same, the same names. So those are that's really the only thing that stayed the same was the names of the main character. Yes. So you said you wanted you wanted to do something in a dream world. Was that the original like um, first thing that really got you animated about this or was there a central image or character or idea that came <coughs> first? Or- yeah, this, my first image of it where the book came from was the the part about the cloud and the shoe falling from the cloud. That I just thought about that, and that's sort of where it all came out of. Very powerful. Image. Yeah, thank you. It's cool. Um, cool. Yes. Do you have the second book ready? I'm, I've been thinking a lot about it. I haven't. I've just started. Yeah, I hope so. that would be awesome. Um, yes. What were some of your favorite series as a child? Um. Well, I loved, I really liked The Lord of the Rings, and even growing up later, I'd say my favorite series of all time is is The Golden Compass, His Dark Materials. That was kind of my inspiration. I also love um, Miyazaki a lot, so Spirited Away was a favorite movie of mine. It's not a... It's a movie, obviously, but that sort of crazy fantasy with emotional element um, were some of my favorites. Oh, and The Phantom Tollbooth was probably my biggest inspiration. Um, That was my first book that really fell in love with fantasy and, you know, going into another world. And that kind of blew me away. So ever since then, any book that has that sort of thing was something I really dug. Yes? Did you ever found uh Trixie and my? Yes, I did, and funny enough, my, when I first read the book, me and Trixie were, and Piper, we were reading a lot of these books, and reading a lot, a lot of you know, Golden Compass and all these books. And when, I, when I first finished it, I had to give it to Trixie to read, because she was right at the perfect date and she was going to read. it And that was the most nerve-wracking thing. <laughs> I was like, if she doesn't like this book, I'm going to have to throw it out and start over a fourth time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know what I'll do because she won't be able to lie about it. She'll be like, yeah, it was good. And I'll know, like, oh, but she loved it and that inspired me to um, send it out. So, um, so yeah, so, great. Hey. Question over there. Oh. A lot of the series that you're talking about that you read as a child have really important messages as part of the book. What's one of the morals of your... Well, I think one of the reasons I wrote this was that I wanted to sort of write a book where I could sort of tell my girls and other people things. But usually when I was a kid growing up and getting advice, anytime an adult told me something, I would ignore it. I didn't want to hear it. But it was like only through books and music and movies that... You know, I I would listen to get the messages that meant something to me. So I thought if I could put it in a story, maybe it would inspire people. But really, it's about remembering who you are and in the craziness of the world and the craziness of the people you meet. And sometimes you're going to meet people and they're going to be one way one day. And they're going to change and be another way another day. And just... Remember who you are and stay true to that. And also that sometimes you're going to fail. You're going to mess up. There's a lot of times in the book where you'll see where, where Nell makes a mistake and she messes up, and that's okay. You know, you just got to keep pushing through and be persistent. So that was really, I mean, yes. Could you read the motto? Could I read the motto? Sure. And tell us, that in your head before you wrote the book, or was it to come later? Well, the motto is. Um, this is the motto of the Fearless Travelers, the, the organization. I don't want to give away too much of the book, but in the story, Nell ends up having to save her mother and go into the dream world. And the only way she can get into the dream world is this organization called the Fearless Travelers, who travel through the dream world to help people in need. And this is, and they've been around for since the beginning of dreams. And this is their motto. It says, "You will get lost. You will be afraid. You will fail. You will fight. You will remember." You will rise, and without doubt, you will find your way home. Um, it, it kind of, that came at the very beginning of the book, because I really wanted it to be about that. I, I mean, this was kind of like, you know, there's even a joke in the book, where like, oh, she has to go through all that stuff, you know, but really just to, to... To go through all that because that's what everyone goes through all the time, you know. Yes. Was uh, the Fearless Traveler's Guide to Secret Places? Was that the original name? Um, that was the original name of this version of the book. The last version had it had a different had a different name. Um, it was kind of similar. It was um, Perkins' Invisible Guide to Secret Places. <laughs> it was, it's a funny book. Yes. So funny, so how did you know uh, you were finished writing after all those rewrites? Um, I was just tired of writing. <laughs> no, I just felt like I, I felt like I had, I had I got exact said exactly what I wanted to say. You know, it was I had sort of all the different parts of the recipe for me were there. It was you know, so I thought, okay, that's good. And also, I was tired of writing. I was done. I was sick of it. <laughs> um, yes. Um, the whole inner animal thing—that's really cool. Did you like have that before you wrote the book, or did you come up with it while you were writing? Right? Um, I sort of came up with it while—while while, I mean, I was writing. It was really about—I want—and I wanted her to be able to see that, you know who you are, maybe who you are as a person is not as different from who you are inside, it's different from the person you project outside, and she's going to meet people, and even herself, maybe she doesn't know exactly who she is, and she's, in the book she discovers what, and they all discover what their own inner animal was, you know, what their own, you know, maybe they don't want to be that inner animal, maybe they want to be another one, but that's the part of it is having to deal with who you are, and and also the possibility and when they get to the dream world of there's a certain way they could change who they are, and that's important too. Yes? Um, where did you have the name Nell? I don't know. I don't remember, frankly. I just really liked the name. I thought it was, I really like the name Nell, and I, I wanted something that was just like sort of snappy. And Yes? What was it like for you to go through all this in 10 years? i felt I felt frustrated I felt happy I felt um, scared I felt nervous I felt thrilled um, I felt full of doubt sometimes and and sometimes I felt really satisfied but all those all the things you could possibly feel I, I felt at times and Yes, that's awesome question. In the end, you find your way. Yeah, thank you. Yes? Does, does you Nell know, have an inner animal? I'm not going to give that away, because <laughs> that's a surprise to her in the book, so I want it to be a surprise that's to you. Guess. That's a great question. Yeah, What's your inner animal? Well, I don't know. <laughs> that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> Are you a question? No. Oh, no. Cool. Those are all fantastic. Um I Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.